does it sound like I'm yelling? Let's do this. All right. There. Remember, Rob, when I had the smallest amount of success, I kicked you off the podcast. Don't make me do it again. <laughs> oh, I should probably switch to my silky smooth uh, microphone, huh? Ooh, nice. Oh, everybody. Wow. Uh, yeah, now you sound like a game show host. about those mouse ears you have on, and that it makes you look kind of goofy. Tell you something cool, Rob. I have to agree. You look kind of goofy with them on. Yeah, well, you look goofy all the time. You look goofy with them off, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You should put on a mask. It's Halloween season. We don't want to have to see it. <laughs> oh, Rob, it's good to have you back on the show regularly. Mm. How was your golf? Did you feel like you improved? I missed, I missed you guys, you know? I did. I missed you guys. Yeah. I, um, I, had a, I didn't have a hole in like one this better? year, but I double eagle. I lipped a cup on a double eagle. Wow. Were you playing from the junior tees? Oh, well, the old man's tees, yes. I think Why, they're ahead 40? of the juniors somewhat. <laughs> they're ahead of the ladies. I know that. Demetrius, do you ever golf at all? Never. No, you know why you know why I've never golfed is because I've got the type of personality where I sometimes struggle doing things a little bit. And I, I knew that if I ever hit a golf ball, um, it could get get ugly for me, and I just don't have room in my life for another obsession. So I've I've avoided it. I've never hit a golf ball. Mike, pretty much the same. I mean, mine was kind of a wedding present to my wife that I would never take up golf because <laughs> every friend that I know who takes up golf, that's it. They're gone. Yeah, <laughs> so. Pretty much. Now she wants me to take up golf. <laughs> oh later, damn! Listen, you might want to you might want to consider golf. <laughs> nice. Well, if you do, you can, uh, you know, there you go. We got a perfect foursome, us four. Come on, oh, let's go golf him. Hey, wait, this go. guy here, this, you ain't seen nothing until you've seen him hit a golf. I've seen him hit a pool ball, and I was not near as impressed as when I saw him hit a golf ball. It was it was something like to golf. watch. Effortless distance and yeah. control. Yeah. Well, I figure that I figured that Nate was a, probably a better golfer than a pool player, and I figured that because, <laughs> I mean – because you almost have cool. to. <laughs> All right. So Demetrius is no longer there on the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that. One person should not hold all of this power, you know? It's just yeah. Well, you know, Nate, Nate is built. Not, not that small people aren't built for golf. Anybody can golf. He's got uh, that big, long lever, you know? That. But he's got, he's got that golfer's a little taller, um, fairly muscular, and, and uh, no excess weight. He's carrying around. Have and you seen me recently? You know, believe it or not, he's pretty hell? coordinated. When was the last time you saw me, Rob? My belly's about as big as I don't know. Yeah, your bald spot. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's not a spot, Nate. That's an area. <laughs> <laughs> that's a landing strip. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we should probably talk pool at some point, right? Let's talk Please. some pool. So Tyler Steyer and uh, Jason Shaw, let's take it from the European side first. Uh, I think this was the most obvious pick in the history of forever. Uh, any thoughts on it, Mike? No, I mean, everybody kind of assumed that Jason was was going to be a pick. Um, you know, there were, there were people who questioned whether he had the stats this year to do it and and are we going by merit or not going by merit or whatever the case is? Um, two wild card picks allows you to not go by merit. 
They allow you to go by your gut feel or by what you think is best for the team. And Jason's a perfect uh, team player for that format, I think. And then you can't discount, I mean, I don't care how people want to talk about it, you can't discount the fact that Team Europe needs to have someone from the UK on the team <laughs> because Sky is Matchroom's biggest partner. And you find me, the first year that, that, uh, that that team does not have someone from the UK on it, I will give you money. Not that it doesn't deserve to be on the team, but that's that's also something that you have to take into account when you consider every year who's going to be on that team. You look for the top-ranked UK player, and that's who's going to be on the team. Well, I, I think you brought up a pretty interesting point there. Um, can you define what doesn't – can you define deserve? Like what you said, it's not that he doesn't deserve to be on that team. What, what, is, what do you mean? Oh, he was still, he's still ranked in the top 10, you know, top 7 – or so, right? With with the with the money points list, so it's not like he's like number twenty six or twenty seven. He's been the MVP the last two years. He's got the, uh, you know, if you're a captain picking that team, you want you you don't want five of the exact same guys. You need that fiery guy. You need that emotional. You need that steady guy. You need that, you know, you need different personalities on that team uh, to make the whole team gel together and work. And I think Alex thinks that that Jason is that perfect, um, you know, Mr. Fire guy, get the team riled up, get the team pumped up, hold up his end, you know, and, and, you know, he, he fits that role perfectly. You know, it's not a role that you're going to stick Ralph's okay into. So um, uh, I think every team has one of those guys. The Americans used Billy Thorpe that way the last three or four years. Um, so um, yeah. So from that standpoint, to me, he, he's, he's, He's an easy pick and deserving. He's still one of the great players. I don't care what his record was this year. And it hasn't been that shabby. No. I just, yeah, okay. Uh, Rob, any thoughts on Jason? Yeah, I, I certainly like the pick. You, you can't not like it, that's for sure. And and although he's, he's uh, strikingly an individual in, in the sport, in this instance, Moscone Cup, it's, it's all team. And, and he does both. Yeah, he takes that individual stand, and he's that team player, that spark. You know, I mean, he just – he has energy, uh, a lot of it. And it comes out. Uh, it's a, a lot of the guys, they keep it under wraps, that, that energy, or they're, they're not visual. But he's, he likes the spotlight, and he handles, handles it well. Great under pressure. I mean, one of the best. Yeah, he's definitely developed into that role. Demetrius, anything? Yeah, I, I think that he was built for the Moscone Cup. Uh, you know, if you had a, a, a list of everything that you wanted in a Moscone Cup player, so, like, they have to have a very good break. They have to be very good under pressure. They can be comfortable and not be bothered by a 30-second shot clock. They have uh, a huge high gear where they can play the highest level of pool possible, but they can also fall into that gear quickly, and they don't need to play a race to 100 to find that gear. Uh, they can and they can intimidate opponents, and they're high energy, and they and they and they can you know inspire their team and inspire fear of their opponents. I mean, like every I'm probably forgetting a bunch, but like everything you could possibly want, and the ability to you know wrestle control the table with difficult shots, or the ability to play scotch doubles and not worry too much about how your opponent plays, like everything you could wish for. Jason Shaw is like the embodiment. I don't know. I mean, there might be better players in the world, 
but I don't know that you could find a better Moscone. I, I would actually vote Jason might be the perfect Moscone Cup player. Uh, you know, I think I probably agree with everything you just said. I would say that there are different. I would say he fills a perfect role for a Moscone Cup player, right? I mean, there's. I would say that Albin is also a perfect Moscone Cup player, and Josh, Josh, and Jason are kind of filling the same role. But Josh isn't the leader that Jason is, so J- Jason can fill a few, uh, wear a few more hats. But I also think, you know, with with a player like Jason and Josh, Albin is also the perfect player too. It's somebody who doesn't need to be, you know, rah rah up and can still get into his gear and knows, you know, exactly what he needs to do. Isn't afraid of the moment, stuff like that. And you want to? Yeah. So, so here's what I think. I think you're absolutely right. Like a band, you don't you only need one lead guitarist, right? Or maybe you know. So it's like you only need one drummer. The fact is, is that is that you need a team, and that if you had five Jason Shaws, would it be the perfect fit? I don't know. But what I will tell you is, I think the difference would be is that I think that there's one Jason Shaw. Whereas if you wanted to replace Albin, you could replace Albin with Fedor or Fedor with uh, Kachi or Kachi with Kazakis or, you know, you could, there's, there's a lot of guys that you could put in that are just like these European bots that are going to play near perfect sets and handle pressure. Well, but, but a guy like Jason, you know, he's, he's a rarity. And so uh, he, he does a very good job. You're right. It's, it's a special role, but uh, it's a needed role and it's one that nobody does better. I think, I think Josh eventually is going to grow into that same role. Um, Josh is, how do I say this without sounding offensive to Josh? Uh, if, if you happen to see this, Josh, I don't mean this to be offensively, but Josh, when you watch him at a pool tournament, he's not out there to make friends, right? He's not there to be your buddy. He's not there to hang out and shoot the shit in between matches. He's there to win and he's there to kill you on the way to winning. Um, he, not interested in ever being your friend but he has all of the other traits i think that josh or uh, jason has besides the be the ability to be able to be a leader for the team i think josh eventually will kind of grow into that role uh just like jason kind of grew into the role i mean jason's not 23 years old either uh he kind of grew into that leadership role that uh darren appleton kind of had when he was a younger player i think that josh will eventually grow into that role but as for right now, Jason or Josh is just, you know, he just wants to win everything. And he's just an ultra competitor. Uh, with that being said, I agree with everything you said, except for, you know, there's a few players I wouldn't exactly throw in there for the, the European bots. But I, I, I get what you're saying. I think when you throw a core of Jason with everything that you said, his ability to lead, uh, as well as all of the other intangibles that make him a great player, Josh with his ability to like just be theatrical and demoralize you and you know, to be honest, just piss off the crowd and getting them all, you know, worked up and out of <laughs> being able to be useful. And then people like Albin who just sit back and just put their head down and get the work done. Those core of three players, I don't care who you throw in with them. That's a dangerous, that's a dangerous threesome. And then, you know, you're throwing in people like Francisco Sanchez Ruiz and whoever the fifth pick's going to be. We're going to talk about that here in a second. I mean, Europe is dangerous, man. I mean, they are just so rock solid. And for all of the like amazing players that are coming out of Europe these days, I just don't see how these three are ever not going to be on a Moscone Cup. I mean, literally all three of them would not have to qualify, I think, for them to not be on the team. But any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think that – I think that I, – I hate to ask this question, but – is there? I mean, gosh, is there a U.S. player that could make the Europe Moscone Cup team? I don't. I don't think so. I don't. Well, Shane. Shane would technically qualify because he's but, made the most this year. 
I mean, by but, the literal definition. But if you had, sure, sure, sure. But in terms of picks, if you were building a Moscone Cup team for Europe and you had the option of picking Shane or picking anybody from the U.S., I, I just, I don't, I don't, I think that that's how tough it is, is that our top player, I don't think is, is going to be as effective as their, their lowest player. It's a pretty big, pretty big hill, hill to climb. And it's not because Shane's not technically as skilled. It's just in that format, we've never, you know, he, the results are the results. And at some point you got to look at them, right? I think the heart of what your question is is if if no U.S. players qualified, would Alex Laley justify picking a U.S. player with a wild card? That's yeah. kind of what you're asking, right? Mike, yeah. Rob, what do you think? Mike, I think he picked Shane in a heartbeat. Um, you know, you talk. Shane hasn't performed great in Moscone Cup, but you know, if you're talking about Shane as the fifth player, okay, if you if every time he played the Moscone Cup, he was playing Europe's fifth player. His record would be pretty good. His record would be a lot better. Than yeah, that's, okay? that, that's a good point. We had Shaw yeah. every time. We had Appleton every time. We had Filler. You know what? So you can't you can't go by his record entirely in determining whether he's a good player in that format. Yeah. Uh, so I think, I think that if you had him, if you said, "Here's my number five player. Give me your number five player," he'd beat him every day. You're right, Mike, because, you know, to be fair to Shane, he's always been on a team that's losing matches and behind on the score and he's playing the best of the world. It's a, it's kind of a trap spot for Shane to be. That being said, though, you know, I mean, you got Jason, you know, Filler, you know, Francisco, and then it's like, I mean, you know, is, is Shane, a, do you think Shane's a better pick than Fetter? Because, I mean, you're kind of down to where it's like, you know, is is Fetter, he would, based on being out of contention from uh, the Russia ban, I mean, he's got to, he'd have to be a coach's pick to get in, wouldn't he? Isn't that where yeah, we're at? I mean, that's what so, we're I mean, whether he's going to be number five. So. so if you had a choice between, like, I mean, that's that's who you're, that's what you're talking about for your wild card picks or, like, guys like Fetter. And it's like, I don't know, man. I think that Fedor is a better pick than Shane, even if you had the choice. Well, I would say this, the, the Fedor pick, uh, I, I think that you have, you're bringing up a real question there. Uh, and I've been saying this since the beginning. I would have picked Fedor from the beginning. Now, I'm off that position now after a conversation that I had with uh, Max and Albin at uh, the U.S. Open. I can talk about that later. But the the other players that are you know in contention besides Fedor are David Alkaidi, Alex Kazakis, mm -hmm. Eklund Kachi. And I would take Shane over all of those players. Rob, any thoughts? I'm just reading the comment by little Chris here between the U.S. and Europe. If the U.S. had more uh, national support, or if Pool in general had more national support, would that make a, a difference in the quality of the U.S. players? That was a really good question. Uh, I have no answer for that question because we don't know. We'd have to get the support to find out if that would make a difference or not. But that's a that's a uh, a real thing. You know, I think there was uh, some uh, country that you're from support for the players uh, more so than the U.S. We have state support. I think, you know, from within our states, we kind of support the players that, uh, but as a country, not so much. Uh, so uh, I guess let's, before we jump over to the USA side, let's talk about the European uh, fifth pick. So we've already hinted at it kind of, we kind of said the names. I would say these are the players that I think uh, have at least a, more than 1% chance of getting picked. You have David Alkaidi, <laughs> Max Lechner, uh, Albin Ocean. Oh, wait, scrap, uh, scrap that. Start over. Start over. Okay, you have Max Lechner. You have Mario He. You have Fedor Gorst. You have David Alkaidi. 
and you have that's 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 really i mean it's in that's it, right? I mean, that's that's kind of it. Those those five players you have. Oh, Mario, Fedor. I think Mario was ranked higher than uh, in the in the end, higher than Alex. I, no. I said Mario, right? Oh, you did you? Okay, you okay. did. I think, yeah. Yes, yeah. So Mario, Max, yeah. Fedor, Eklund, and Alex Kazakis. I think it's yeah. those five players are the only ones who have a realistic. Let's let's say a, a more than one percent chance of pick. Now you can say that Alex and Eklund maybe have exactly one percent. <laughs> I wouldn't push back on that. I don't. Th- I think it really comes down to Max, Mario, and Fedor personally. But what do you guys think, uh, Rob? Yeah, I'm going to throw in one more in there uh, as a dark horse, uh, Melling. I, I think he he showed this last tournament that he's very capable, sure. and he's he's got uh, he's got an international record that stands out. That's it's you know pretty impressive uh, when he played against the Asians, how well he did and. And uh, when he's come over here, he's played well. So I, I'd throw him in the mix. Yeah, better than 1% chance maybe. But uh, but I like him uh, for a team uh, perspective. Uh, also individual skills. He's a very skilled pool player for sure. Is he a Gorst, you know, or a couple of the top players? Probably not. Uh, you know, al you got to like him because because of his fellow countrymen on on, on uh, and I think it, that's going to favor him being picked. Okay, Mike, what do you think? I think it's down to two. I think it's down to Feder and David, and uh, and I'm saying David because you know everybody talks about. I think he would have a calming effect on Francisco. Um, you know, we talk about how they won doubles there. They can only play doubles together once, so his value to being on the team has to be beyond their being able to play doubles. Right. So his value then would be, uh, he's got experience and he can also, uh, you know, calm Francisco down. That said, if I'm Alex, I'm still picking Fetter because you got good enough players there in Jason and Albin, uh, and Josh who have enough experience and are good enough. They'll, They'll do. They'll be fine with Francisco. They don't need to have another Spaniard on there for Francisco to play well. The guy's playing better than David, anyways. So, so I don't think. I think that that's kind of been overplayed. But I think it is in Alex's head. Um, but I, I, I'm saying that it comes down to Feder and David. And I, I say, I think there's a much better chance he picks Feder, especially after Feder just went this weekend and won the, you know, uh, the, the tournament over this past weekend um, because I think Federer did not look good at the U.S. Open. And I think for a minute there, it gave Alex pause. But uh, I think he's probably over that. Well, uh, if you don't mind me jumping in at this point, Demetrius, because I have a lot of things. I, I just I can't I can't stand that narrative that like David has to be picked. Like if you're going to pick David because of David, Fine, yeah. no problem at all. Agreed. He show, he has shown in the past that he can handle the pressure. He performs well enough. Uh, you know, he's just a good, solid player who's not going to get too high. He's not going to get too low. He's oh, just going to do gonna his do job. But if you were telling me that David Alkaidi has to be picked because Francisco Sanchez Ruiz is going to be over in the corner hyperventilating and you know <laughs> breathing into a paper bag, spare me. Like yeah. I get, I get that that I get that the Masconi Cup is unlike anything that you've ever done, and it has made absolute champions look like shells of themselves. I get that, 
<laughs> Does anybody here think that that's going to happen to Francisco Sanchez Ruiz with the way he's playing right now? I mean, no, I, but I, I will say no, I will say this: the, I'll, the only other thing that that leans a little bit in someone like David's favor uh, is the experience, because when you put Federer on that team, you're essentially going in with two rookies. Uh, yep. and two rookies in a Moscone Cup is always a dangerous thing for any team. Uh, so that would be the only other factor that, to me, would would give David uh, any additional credence. Uh, and and as far as you know, that's why you wouldn't pick Max at this point. That's why you wouldn't pick Mario at this point. Uh, I don't think Alex Alex Laley has said you know he doesn't have a ton of confidence in, in Kazakis. So really, then you're getting down to David for experience and Federer for for play, and and so I still think it's just between those two. I I, I agree that I think it's going to be between those two, but I think it should be between Mario and David personally. I I think that Mario has shown. Sure, you want to tell me that um, he can't get it done in the semifinals? Fine. He's been to every single semifinals of every single major event <laughs> this year. And like I, I'm saying that a little bit in jest, but literally go back to ev just about every single major event that has happened this year, whether it's a Euro Tour, whether it is the UK Open, whether it is a matchroom event, whether it is just some random event, you will see his name as one of those four pretty much at least 60%. 60 to 75% of the time. The dude is always there at the end. He's had a better year than all of these players, I believe, short of Francisco and Josh, maybe even Albin. But really, I think Mario, if you, if you take his finishes, he's always there at the end. I think that he has earned a right to be there uh, as far as his play. I think he's playing better than David right now. Do, yeah, I, think that, sure. do I think that the intangibles that he brings would one-up David's? I mean, if if you go into the with the assumption that Francisco Sanchez Ruiz is going to have to wear, you know, uh, a diaper because he's going to be crapping himself all over the place, you know, hyperventilating and breaking down because he's so nervous, then yeah, sure, David's going to have a better influence. But it's not like Mario, he and Francisco Sanchez Ruiz hate each other and they're never going to be friends. I mean, these well, if you're, if you're all going of by these that, guys are pretty tight. If you're going by that argument too, I mean, put Mario on the team and as a rookie, he's got Albin to help him, right? He's got, sure. his, he's, oh, that's, so that's you got exactly another, it. you got another countryman, you know, uh, babysitter exactly if you need that. So uh, I just don't know, you know, I just think there's enough little concern about those where I'd still pick the best player in the world. And that would be better. I think, well, I, and that, that's what I wanted to get to. Demetrius, you want to go quick? Uh, I'll go, go ahead and finish. I got a couple well, ideas, but <clears throat> I think so. If you've been watching the podcast for the last three months, I have been on the Fedor Gorse bandwagon since the beginning. And basically what I said was it was his to lose. I don't care that he had a ban. I, I didn't care at all. What I what I said was, how can you possibly justify a David or a, a Max or a Mario over Fedor? Because nobody in their right mind would say that any of those guys are playing better than Fedor. So I had the assumption that it was Fedor's is to lose. I believe that Fedor lost it. I think losing to Tyler. Now, Tyler played great in that match. He broke the balls well, um, and he was playing well. But I think that without the track record of having all year long, you this was the only matchroom event that you were able to play all year long. Uh, you weren't at the Sandcastle Open to you know to to show that um, this was the only thing that you were in, and you came up short in a and against a U.S. player, against a player on that team. I think that it was his to lose and he lost it. 
I don't see how Alex can pick Fedor and have faith in him to be able to perform under the matchroom lights on that single table. Okay, let me me jump in here. Let me jump in. I've been sitting on my hands, but here's the deal. Okay, so so I think I think it should come down to to what's best for the Europe team versus what's best for Matchroom's promotional experience and the experience of the fans. So I'll tell you who I think the two players are. I think best for Europe is Fedor. Uh, I don't think that you know it's his to lose. He lost it. I think that that's like basically the guy was banned from Matchroom events, and he then proceeded to become like the top money leader by winning everything he played in and basically not missing a ball for eight months. And then he loses a race to nine, but he misses a seven ball. And now he's off the team. Like to me, that's pretty, that's pretty extreme. So I would say that if you're talking about the best team, I'm with Mike on this one. Fedor is like, without doubt, you put him on the team. He's going to, I mean, you've got, it's, it's unbeatable, but that's the problem. I, so I feel like he's, he's, if you're trying to, if you're Alex and you're trying to pick a winning team, you pick Fedor. There's just nothing. There's, you can talk about team dynamics and compensating factors, but give me the guy that has missed one ball since January, and I'll, I'll take my chances. But where I think it's not as good, I just don't think that's as good for Mashroom. Whereas the pick I think would be good, and I think who should also be in the running is Max Lecter. And you mentioned him, and I do think that Max Lecter would be a great pick because the guy, his, you know, he it is a rookie. So somebody had asked about are the rookies really the bad thing? We've seen some great performances by rookies. No, they're not a bad thing. It's just less they have less of a proven track record and we know that there's substantial pressure and so you know sometimes it doesn't work so it's, it adds some some unknown so if matchroom adds lechner to the team or if alex picks lechner you've got a guy who can deserves to be there i mean he final the us open he breaks the balls really really well he plays he moves good he runs out good he handles pressure good he's at the peak of his game he's making finals runs at major tournaments and it would be fun to watch as a rookie to see how he plays. If he plays with Sanchez after they just played this big match and they have this good, you know, rivalry and camaraderie, it would be fun to see him on the team. I think it would be a, a good uh entertaining match. I think it would it would make the it would it would create it so that in short, there's there's doubt as to the outcome of the Moscone Cup, which I don't know that there'd be much doubt if Fetters on the team who's gonna win the Moscone Cup. So for from a fan's perspective, from a matchroom perspective, I think having Lecter, you know, now you have some question. There's at least a road to victory. Like can Max Lecter handle the pressure? Can he win his matches? Is he, you know, does does what what's gonna happen? And uh and and get get a guy in there with positive energy that that I don't know. I just think that the, that's probably best for Matchroom uh, and and it, and best for the fans. And I think it, it would be a great pick. So I think it's between Fedor and Lechner, and it comes down to: Do you want to know who's going to win the Moscone Cup before the coin is flipped or not? <laughs> sure, sure. Well, uh, let's all go around and give our pick then. Rob, who do you think's number five? Number five, Mike. You're right. No, I, I I think it's going to be Gorst. Fedor. Demetrius? If it, yeah, I'll go Fedor. If it's truly a coach's pick, he's taking Fedor. If if Matchroom has some influence, then I think Lechner. But I, I, I go Fedor, yeah. I would go, I think it's going to be Fedor too. I don't think it should be, but I do think it's going to be Fedor. Well, it doesn't really matter what I think because it's not my pick, right? It's Alex's <laughs> pick. I think he'll pick Fedor. Um, but I do I do honestly think that uh, Mario should get it. I think that Mario should get a look. I think that Mario's had the best year of everybody remaining but it's a wild card pick not a not a qualified spot so yeah okay. that's, uh, the thing. I mean, that's why they have wild card picks it's yeah, you absolutely. you pick what you think you need for your team 
And, and, you know, you, you can take into account points, you can take into account hairstyle, you can take into account whatever you want. Um, That's, that's what makes it your captain's pick. Yep. Okay, so let's move on to the USA side. Ooh. We got Greg. We got Greg Hogue over in the, uh, the Ooh, chat no, already. No, so. not the USA side. Uh, Tyler. Tyler makes his pick. Uh, I again, this is just as obvious to me as Jason was to the uh, to Europe after beating Fedor in the the US. And to be honest, I mean, it's like Tyler has been there. He's done that. He's he showed at least that he's above average. You know, if you took the two years that he played, uh, three years that he's played. Uh, he is a he is right around 500 or a little bit above 500. Um, you know, uh, I guess that's let's talk about the USA side. I think that Wait USA we got Jeremy chiming in here. Holy smokes! <laughs> Double J in the chat. How's it going, Jeremy? Jeez. I want to know. Just just put in a response if it was me that knows so little about the game of nine ball. <laughs> I just want to know whether I'm in one direction or the next. Yeah, not, by the yeah, way, not. I am rooting for the Strohs, so if that helps at all, Jeremy. Oh, I am too. Go Astros. <laughs> Go Astros. Man, the Astros completely like have the Yankees number. What is this? Like the fourth, four out of five years that they eliminated them from the, yeah. the MLB playoffs. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Three out of yeah. four, four out of five, something like that. It's it's crazy. <laughs> Maybe we will stick to baseball. Uh, so I'm going to say this. I'm going to jump in here and say this as long as Jeremy's on there. Was was Tyler your pick before the U.S. Open? Or did the U.S. Open change everything? Yeah, I think that's a good question. All right, uh, so <clears throat> I guess anybody have any surprises with Tyler, Demetrius? I think I think it's really, really, really deserved. You know, if if you had to pick the player that you thought was going to play, the, you know, the, the best player, you know, we could tie off conversations about other players. But, you know, Tyler is – practicing, playing full-time, competing against the top international players. So even 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 if, let's just say, um, Justin Bergman and Tyler played a race to 109 ball right now, like even if Justin would give Tyler a hard time, which I'm not at this point, I, I don't even know. But even if that was the case, even if Justin wins that set, that's not the question. The question is going to be who is going to perform better on the matchroom stage in international competition against the top players. And then – and also – you know, what kind of incentives do you want for players? Uh, Tyler has done everything right. And I love what I love the most about the guy is that there's there's a lot of people that thought that he was just, you know, not a shortstop. But that, oh, he, you know, like a couple of years ago, few, it wasn't long ago that that people were like, what's he doing on the team? And he's not as good as the top U.S. players or he's not as good as the top Euro players. And he can't get there and he's too old and it's too, too tough and all this. Tyler has just tuned everybody out, stuck to his game plan practiced, competed, drilled, fought again and again and again. And and he's getting it done more and more and more. And it's just, I mean, I, I just love it, man. I love it. Mike? Yeah. yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. Being Well, we're from Wisconsin, Nate. And and uh, Tyler's part of Wisconsin. He's one of the best ever that the state's ever seen. And uh, we've seen him in Moscone Cups before, and he's done well. Uh, he's Tyler has got a built-in form of class about him. It's just the way he walks, the way he carries himself. Uh, and you can tell that he's, he's really getting accustomed to and used to the, the extreme pressures uh, that these players get into 
when they're one-on-one -on -one against the greatest players in the world. Uh, he's handling that. He's, he's taking it in stride. He's married to a top pool player. Uh, I mean, his life is pool. <laughs> and, uh, and he's going to make it his life, kind of like you, Nate, now too. You know, your life is, is broadcasting and being part of the pool world. Uh, and, and so uh, Tyler, yes, deserves this for sure. And everybody in Wisconsin is crazy happy <laughs> to see this. <laughs> Mike? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't have a problem with that. I was a little bit surprised. Uh, I, I don't know why. I mean, I, I just didn't think that he had done a lot during the year um, to, to earn, you know, to be, to be an obvious pick. Uh, let me put it that way. I didn't think that he was a, a no doubter because I didn't think he performed all great, that great during the year. I think the U S open definitely made Jeremy say, okay, under pressure on the big table, playing these big guys, he can, he can, you know, he's shown that he's got the nerve and, and the moxie to handle it. I think that the U S open was a huge thing for Tyler because before that, like I said, I didn't think, you know, I saw him lose to a lot of people this year that you would be a lot of surprise that he lost to. Um, you know, he didn't have a lot of high finishes, but you know what you get with him. You get a guy who's dedicated, he's going to practice his brains out. He's going to be in there working hard and he doesn't get flustered. So there's a lot of that going for him. And I think that the icing on the cake then was going in and having those two great matches against uh, Federer and Filler. Uh, I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Yeah, maybe I maybe I'm like being um, influenced by my hindsight, but after after him making the final 32 and beating Fedor, I didn't think there was a way that you couldn't pick him. Um, I mean, Jeremy obviously can pick whoever he wants, and there's been talks in the past about chemistry issues with the team, and I I get all of that, but um, I guess if you want to if you want to pick your wild cards just based off of wild cards and having like building your best five team, then you could justify not having Tyler on. If, if you want to talk about like having, um, having a proven track record in the past with who is getting hot at the right time, it seems like Tyler would be an obvious pick to me. Uh, maybe I have hindsight to, to help me with that. I don't know. Uh, let's look towards our fifth player then. So <clears throat> I guess looking around, we have uh, the people's champion, Greg Hogue, out there. Uh, these, these, for my money, uh, for, I guess, what I've seen around, these are the U.S. players that are in contention. You have uh, Billy Thorpe, Shane Wolford. Uh, I've heard a few rumblings of, like, Josh Roberts and Tony Chohan, of course. Um, you have, I think, Justin, I think Justin Martin March. should be taken into account. Um Greg Hogue, of course. Earl Strickland. Is that? Is that? Am I getting all of the ones that you guys can think of? There's anybody else I missed? No, that sounds about right. I was gonna say I. I actually thought that uh, the fifth spot. I was thinking Omar El Shaheen, but after what I saw at the U.S. Open, uh, you know. <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah. So, uh, Mike, Mike, what do you think? Uh, um, you know, I don't know. This one's just, uh, it, this is the fifth pick is going to be a hundred percent gut call by Jeremy. Um, it wouldn't surprise me. I think that the favorites would be, uh, Billy and Shane Wolford to me would be, would be the, the two that he's probably thinking about most. What the hell do I know? Um, 
he's going to let me know right now what I know, what I know or what I don't know. But um, I think that they would be probably the two top picks, Billy, because of his experience. Um, and then you're basically, you know, putting together a team that you're pretty comfortable with, that you've had before, no surprises, no rookies. So, uh, you know, if he wants to go with the comfort level, that would certainly be one way to go. Uh, if he wants to take a flyer on a young kid and only have, he still would only have one rookie on the team, that could be Shane Wolford. Um, you know, Earl, I don't see it. Um, but who knows? I mean, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, if he can find uh, Jose Altuve, we, we would be very happy in Team USA to have uh, uh, a Jose Altuve type player it's on there. Is Jose Altuve tall enough to see over the pool table? Isn't he only like three foot tall? He's not tall. He's not tall enough to play baseball either, and it hasn't stopped him. Yeah, the guy's a no, hasn't beast. stopped him at all. Oh, the guy's a monster. Um, okay, Rob, any thoughts on those? Well, the the factor for the Moscone Cup, as we know, is is the presence of the audience and the fan base. And it's a huge thing. And it's going to be here in this country. So what do we want? We want wild and crazy fans. And who best to uh, get the fans going than Earl? <laughs> if you go into this as the coach of the team saying, listen, we're going to lose anyways, right? We're going to lose anyhow. Then then why not import the uh, the showman of all the showmen ever and and just go with it? Uh, he was supposed to be there last year, and through a freak of nature, it, it never happened. So why wouldn't he pick him again? Now, do I personally think that's the best pick for the team? I don't. Uh, but... If you're going to this, like we're beat from the start anyhow, let's have some fun with it. And uh, I mean, Earl's not a bad player. I mean, it's not like he doesn't have any credentials. Uh, yeah. Well, so, if we got a coach that says we're going to lose anyways, I don't want him as yeah, my coach. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got, that's, I got an issue with that one. That, that, and I don't know, think that, Jeremy Jones. You look at the reality of the situation anyways. and you stare reality in the face and grab yeah, it. Hey, I, we're probably going to lose <laughs> anyhow. No, I you can't. No, you can't do. To so, be honest with you, yeah. to, to be honest with you, I'm kind of actually, I'm like almost a little disappointed in Jeremy. I wanted to see Jeremy get out there and actually play this year because, like, when you throw that guy in last year, and I know he's in the, I'm not kissing your ass here, <laughs> but like, uh, him being out there last year on like what was it two or three days notice, I thought he actually performed pretty well. Now I, I know that he's got the the commentary gig with Matchroom and like he's got other things that are going on, but. I mean, would you, from what we saw, we saw, if we had if we had Jeremy Jones playing a full season and in stroke properly, the way you know Jeremy Jones can be, I, I think it'd be a pretty good choice to pick himself. Honestly, out of out of the players that we have available, we're talking about like, and I'm not trying to dis you know disrespect anybody, but we're talking about like a Shane Wolford as like a real pick. Like Shane's Shane's playing some really solid pool right now, but I. I think we would all agree that Jeremy Jones, if he's in his proper gear, is probably a better player than Shane at this point in his career. Billy hasn't been playing. I think I think Jeremy's probably a better option than Billy Thorpe if if he's not going to be playing any. 
it would have been kind of cool to see Jeremy Jones actually uh, Jeremy Jones actually make like a full season of effort towards getting to that point. It would have been fun. If he had made that effort, I'd be all I'd be behind it hundred percent. You know, as far as Earl, like I was now I'm I had a comment I was gonna make and now it doesn't roll. I was gonna say I <laughs> if I was if I was gonna be you know coach's pick, if I was the coach, my personal guideline would be I try not to pick anybody that's forfeit out of a tournament within the last 60 days. But unfortunately that would eliminate 40% of our team. So uh, I can't even say that anymore, but, but here's the thing. I just can't, I, I just can't, I couldn't get behind Earl. Just no, I couldn't. And then, and so for me, the two picks are, I do think that you've got, um, you know, I, I guess you could say there's Billy Thorpe, you got, uh, you know, Wolford, and then you got uh, Greg Howell. And I, I guess for me, I just haven't seen Billy Thorpe been as active and, and deserving. I think if I had to pick, um, you know, if I had to pick what would be the most exciting to see, I'd like to see Greg play. I feel that he's been out there pursuing it. He's playing great. It would be a lot of fun to watch his involvement on the team and the energy he brought, the performance he brings. Um, and then if I had to pick who I thought would be really, really good for the team, I think that Shane Wolford also deserves the spot. And I think that Shane's playing phenomenal pool right now. And that if I think that he would be, uh, if I had a coach's pick, I'd pick Wolford. However, I might, I might, I might wake up and change my mind to pick Greg. <laughs> so, Rob, yeah, for for sheer enthusiasm, pure enthusiasm for the game, <clears throat> and spark on the team, there's no question Greg would fit right into that. Uh, wow. You know, he's he's pulse pounding pool. Uh, I call it. He 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 gets it. He gets on top of it, and and for and. I don't know any one player in the country that would want it more, uh, or try that. Hard. That That's you cannot sure. argue. Yeah, that you cannot argue because he's he's put more. I mean, there's been a lot of players who you know just go about it quietly. I mean, Nick DeLeon has been to more events than any other U.S. player, uh, matchroom ranking events, maybe short of Shane. Nick DeLeon's been to more than anybody else. Uh, he went to the European ones. Um, you know, uh, look, man, Mike, but great. But Greg's got his cap lock button on for like an hour, man. You can't beat that enthusiasm. Yeah, it's really <laughs> tough to beat it. Uh, I need a lowercase i out of this guy. Yeah, well, right. I mean, I'll, I'll say this. I like I mean, the he... comment about Earl raising the ceiling and lowering the floor. I thought that was a pretty cool comment. I will say yeah. this. Last year, um, last year, I honestly feel like the, the people's champion was Oscar. I felt like... Uh, the the pulse of the Facebook squad was uh, uh, really pushing for Oscar last year. He didn't get in, and I I think this year I see I see even more movement in the Greg Hogue camp. I mean, people who don't even pay that close attention to pool are like, yeah, this Greg Hogue guy should make it. Yeah, hell yeah! Like I I you see the matchroom forums and they're blowing up with people like wanting yeah. people to pick Greg. It's 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 pretty cool, honestly. He put a video on yesterday that I watched of a nine ball rack that he ran out and explained how he was gonna do it and why and and yeah uh, it, English. That was pretty pretty impressive. I kind of liked it. Well if yeah so I guess if you look at the I made a post last night with 21 questions with Justin Martin. I honestly think that Justin Martin is going to be on our team. Uh I think he's he's got to be young. Maybe he's like 22, 23, something like that. I'm not totally sure. He's quiet. He does. He's he's doing marketing a lot better now. I would assume that um, 
I don't want to, I don't want to speak out of turn, but I would, I would guess that he's getting some help with that maybe from his girlfriend or somebody. Cause he's, he's been really active social media wise the last few weeks. I think Justin Martin is there. I mean, I think that he's, he's kind of like a Tyler Steyer a couple of years ago where he's just quiet. He goes about his business. He just shows up, puts the work in, plays his matches and leaves. I mean, he just beat Chang Jung Lin and uh Haya Chia Chen or Si Chung Chang Chia Chen, I think. Um, I don't know exactly how to pronounce his name, but uh, really, really, really great players. I mean, that's two really good scalps. And then he goes 15-14 in a shootout and loses. I mean, the, the guy is – he's playing good pool. He's a 7.53, 7.54 Fargo, something like that. So he's already on that stage of, you know, kind of where we're picking at. I think that would be a, a good option as well. I, I think that he he doesn't get the shine that he probably deserves, maybe because he's a little quiet, maybe he's a little – a little shy off the table, but, um, well, what about, I, I, I think what, what about Donnie Mills? You know, he just got to the finals. The tourney's going, he's been playing really well. I know he hasn't played all day. I'm just talking about as a coach's pick, you know, I hadn't really, hadn't really heard his name. And does he even, does he even get a mention? He's been around a while. He's not intimidated by the top players. He possesses a great break in that format. He does well under pressure. He's very, very solid, and he's plays phenomenal pool, and he's kind of playing the best pool of his life. So you've got some arguments to make there. Sure. So thank you, Aaron. Z Jia Zen. Hopefully that's – I think the uh, X in Chinese is uh, a she sound, so hopefully I was better. I'll have to practice that. Aaron, send me a PM. Help me pronounce his name. I do want to pronounce his name better. He's 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 been playing a lot of pool. He's been doing. He's been had a. He's had a lot of good wins the last few weeks. So, uh, <clears throat> I guess. All right, let's go around. Let's pick our uh, player. Rob, who is your fifth U.S. player? Oh man, uh, th- this is there. This is this is brutal. I'm gonna stick my neck out uh, on this one, and and. You know, I think I like Martin. I do. Justin Martin. All right, Mike. You, you got if you're gonna put a rookie in there, why not? You know? Give him a shot. I'm with uh I'm with Eric Croft on this. Eric said, you know, at some point team USA needs to get start getting the rookies experience. You know, you're talking about Justin Martin, you're talking about Shane Wolford, guys like this that they're gonna be on the team in a year, they're gonna be on the team in two years. Well, you can't put three of them on team same year you have to start working these guys in if you've got four guys with experience like you do this year i'd i'd go ahead and take the guy that you're going to be counting on in two or three years from now and so i'd go with shane wolford this year demetrius yeah so if i had to guess who jeremy picks i'm a i'm afraid that he might pick billy uh just based on ability if i was my pick i would probably pick shane wolford for the same for all the same reasons i think he is playing phenomenal pool right now um and i'm just not sure that greg really wants it enough (laughs) (laughs) come on greg come on man you know you know i love you man you know i love you okay demetrius is that is that flames in your in the back i think he's Ah, what's that (laughs) (laughs) no i i i think uh to be honest i i think I think if you go off of who's the best player, I think Billy gets it. Um, if you go off of if you go off of who the best players, I think Billy gets it. Maybe even Earl gets it. But I, I just please just not just don't give me Earl. I mean, okay, if you want it to be an entertaining thing, 
Tick or fine, whatever. It's going to be a show. We're all going to love it. We uh, Nobody watches NASCAR for the left turns. They watch it for the crashes. I get it. <laughs> fine. Pick or um, If I'm building for the future, if I'm, if I'm building for the future, I like Justin Martin because I think Justin Martin, while I don't think that Shane is going to be around for the next three years and we'll never hear about him again, like a Devin Petit or something like that, it just seems like Justin Martin is there for the long haul, in my opinion. Uh, it just seems like he doesn't need the shine. He doesn't need all of the accolades. He doesn't need the the media. He just shows up at every tournament, whether it's a Predator tournament, whether it's a Matrim tournament. I think that the safer bet for 15 years is Justin Martin, and I and I like that pick. I also, to be honest with you, like I said, it's a TV show, and Greg Hogue, honestly, if you're trying to make an entertaining progress or a uh, product – I think he's he's. I mean, he, he doesn't play as good as Earl. Um, I it would be the most play. enjoyable to watch for sure. I'd it love would be to see absolutely. That. Yeah. It would be the but, best TV show. Honestly, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be opposed to it. Mike. Yeah. The only thing. I, the only thing I'm thinking is that you know it, we're looking at and, and this is the way we do bar, bar stool sports, right? As as we talk about what we would do or what we think or whatever. Um, I guarantee the last thing Jeremy is thinking about is entertainment value, and the last thing he's thinking about is you know, building for the future, If he's not going to do that unless he thinks it can also help win today. He's in here about, about one thing. He's got to win this year. He wants to win this year. He wants to hold on to that job. He wants to, you know, wants USA to it. So his pick is going to be who he thinks is going to help that team win this year. Um, and from that aspect, I think that that's why, that's why I think he's still sticking with either Shane Wolford or Billy, just thinking that they can both play about the same Who's going to give him the best chance this year? Well, it's kind of hard to say that anybody's playing of the competitors that anybody's playing better than Greg. I mean, he did just make a final 32, right? Yeah, that's yeah sure. Only, yeah. The only other, what, there was three Americans that made the final 32. It was uh, Greg, Tyler, Oscar. and Oscar. Yeah, yeah. And those two are in. Yeah. He's obviously playing good, so... Uh, yeah, I mean, none of us have said Chris Reinhold's name. I don't. Yeah, I mentioned it last podcast, but yeah, I, he played pretty well in at the U.S. Open. He, did. <laughs> he, he did. really did. Uh, but I don't think that he's been in it enough this year to uh, uh, to warrant getting on again. Um, you know, the bottom line is, I, I think you know, you're gonna be able to make a pretty good argument for whoever Jeremy picks. Sure. Yeah, yeah, and and Greg is making a lot of comments about who's performed on matchroom stage and and year to date results. And Greg, listen, I if you got picked, I'd love it. I'm I'm a big fan of yours, man. But you got to understand, the top three spots you qualify. The fourth and fifth spot are coaches' picks. So if you were top three, you'd have qualified. And if you're not top three, then it's not about top. It's not about it's all. It's, then that's where judgment comes in. So you got to understand. That's where the matchroom comes in, man. I'm sorry. It's if you want fair, then you know it's like you got to go top three. Otherwise, it kind of comes down to, you know, there's other factors that that uh, that people consider besides you know a U.S. Open finish. And uh, yeah, it's it. I, I get where you're coming from, man. You've been out there pounding it. You want it, and uh, you're like, put me in, coach. I can play. I okay. Anyway, all right, we're good. <laughs> okay, so uh, Demet okay, Demetrius, your my pick is uh, you know. <clears throat> I, I, I like I like the future. I like planning for the future ten years down the line, and I like getting a rookie in there. If if all things are considered equal, which to be honest, I, I think they kind of are this year, 
because Billy hasn't um, Billy hasn't been playing. Uh, Earl hasn't played hardly anything. I mean, I, it's hard for me to even justify it. And to be honest, I mean, we could have a whole conversation about how COVID has derailed Earl twice now. Once last year in um, uh, Europe or London. When and how many times has Earl derailed Earl? That's the other question. Well, that's true. <laughs> but uh, and now we got COVID this year, and he couldn't play the Sandcastle, which he was signed up for, and the U.S. Open, which he was signed up for. So, but uh, again, I, I just I just don't get it. Um, I just I just don't get the Earl pick. Uh, I'm fine with Justin Martin. I'm fine with Shane Wolford. I'm fine with Greg Hogue. All three of those players, I believe, are playing good pool. Um, yeah, the Earl pick surprised the heck out of me last year. Woo. Yeah, well, it, it absolutely did. I, I like I like any of those three picks. I I don't really care which one gets picked. Um, I would like to see Earl, or I would like to see Greg, honestly, because like the entertainment factor. I think uh, the way that the I think it would be good for Moscone Cup for marketing. I oh, think yeah. that would be interesting, but. Um, if if I, if I had the pick, I'd probably personally pick Justin Martin. I think he's I think he's ready for the stage, and I think he's going to be around for 10, 15 years. So, um, but any of those three picks, I'm okay with. Okay, so let's move on to unless there's anything else. Anybody else have anything about this? No, Good. I just say one thing. There was a comment in there about so Demetrius, you mean politics? People bring up politics all the time in these selections, and I still haven't figured out what the hell they mean. <laughs> I don't, I'm not exactly sure what they mean. I mean, are there, if it's a wild card, if it's a captain's pick, you've got a lot of reasons you're going to make your choice. What is, what is politics? Well, maybe but anyways, politics, politics on. might, <laughs> politics might be something like if, if Emily said, Hey, you know, we've, we think that based on, you know, our goal of getting ratings, we think it would be better for ratings and better for production if we had so-and-so player in. So mm -hmm. I know it's a coach's pick, but would you mind bringing that person in and, you know, and then and then maybe even selecting captains that would be cooperative with their initiatives so that they can help get the teams they want. Like that's that, I'm not saying that happens. I'm just saying that's what that's probably like yeah, that type it of. It could be, or it could be some you know someone who spends the whole year cozying up to Jeremy Jones trying to get you know that's the, or you know friends picks things like that. But you know, I just think that that's so overblown in these conversations. It drives me crazy. So, anyways, we can go on to something else. Something Nate, sorry. <laughs> See Tara's uh, Tara's comment here, uh, Nate. The Tara, the mental trainer, Tara inside Daniel. performance coaching. Yeah. yeah, team cohesion. Yeah. So uh, I guess let's move on to um, I don't know. Let's let's I guess let's talk about the WPBA event, the uh, Sledgehammer Open. Kelly Fisher comes from the B side and uh, completes the win. Uh, again, this was at. Um, uh, whose room was this at, Mike? Uh, Janet Atwell. Yeah, Janet, Janet Atwell. Uh, borderline. Yep, borderline billiards. Um, I, I mean, again, it seems like uh, the WPBA is starting to get their stuff together. I mean, they're having streams now for all their events, which is good. Their their marketing is getting significantly better. Um, it, they kind of came out of a, a slumber that they've been in since 2008 or whatever, but they seem to be really starting to step up their game it's it's i mean mike you've been around for this entire thing and kind of watched it firsthand what do you think their uh their events are looking like now oh they're definitely getting stronger i think that um you know they've they've worked hard this year to build events to get to events i think the predator events have helped them with their own events in terms of how to do it properly how to build it up how to make it better uh, certainly they're getting the buy-in from the players because of all the extra events this year. 
So, you know, it's it's a lot of it's capital and resources, right? If you've got a little bit more, you've got more tournaments and you've got more people putting into the events, you can you can make the events a little better. You can do the things you know you need to do to try to make it better, like the stream and things like that. So yeah, a little bit at a time. Uh you know, they're definitely, it's, it's a better looking product. It's a stronger product. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for them. Demetrius, any, uh, any thoughts on the event? Yeah, I think little Chris's comment, he beat me to it. Uh, Savannah knocking out Emily Duddy and Monica Webb. Um, I think that this is great for women's pool. I think that, um, I think that the bar is going to get raised. I mean, um, you know, you've got some, you've got some hungry young players coming in that are, that are playing some great pool. And I think that, uh, I I'm excited to see the level of play in the WPBA over the next five, 10 years and see what happens. Um, I think it's going to be very good because right now Kelly Fisher seems like she's got a dominant edge. Uh, but I don't know that that will continue all that much longer. I think that we're going to see the bar get raised. I, I will say I, this, will say Savannah this. Easton is she is the next big thing in American <laughs> pool. She really is. I mean, well, things- you know, it's, it's not just her. I mean, if you look at that event, Sophia Mast played in it. Uh, Priscilla Kinsley played in it. Skylar Hess played in it. I mean, those are, those are what are they, 12, 13, 15, and 14. Whoa. All four of them played into it. All four of them went through stage one, finished in the top 16 so that they could get into the main stage. And, you know, Sky, uh, Sophia won one match. Um, you know, then you look at Savannah. She well, beats, I, mean, if you're I actually at, have these. I actually have these up. Do you want, you want me to go through Savannah's matches? Because I think it's impressive. It's unbelievable. I mean, you look through the, the whole, like, old school WPBA lineup. She went through Laura Smith, Emily Duddy, Monica Webb, and Dawn Hopkins before she lost to Jennifer. I mean, that's, well, well, that's well, ridiculous. Well, not only that. So her first match on the B side. Uh, she beat Beth Fondell, who's a player from Minnesota, right? Demetrius, yes. a good player. She's a good player. Uh, but the, the reason I wanted to bring this up because she won 8-7. And then she won 8-6. And then she won 8-3. And then she won 8-7. And then she won 8-6. And then she she won 8-3. I mean, she's she has like a, a sporadic, like um, her 8-7 was against Beth. And then she beat uh, Loris... Sophia, Sophia Mass eight to six, right. beat Laura Smith eight to three, beat Emily Duddy eight to seven, beat Monica Webb eight to six, beat Don Hopkins eight to three. I mean, like she's she's getting to the hill a lot, and she's I mean maybe it's, she's twelve years old, she's fearless, but like it's really hard to win this many matches against this many great players yeah. and go hill hill, you know hill six. You know that's that's impressive. That's really really impressive stuff. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's just it's it's so much fun. It's so much fun. Like I said, she wasn't even alone. Sophia Mast is a great little player. She is. She's she's not, she beat player. she beat uh, Savannah in the the first stage, uh, and um, yeah, it, it's just yeah, it's just fun to watch these young kids come in there and play like that. It's just great. Uh, Rob, any thoughts? Yeah, ladies' pool. I think it's on the way up for sure. From what I'm seeing with all the youngsters in there, they got talent. And, so, you know, I, maybe this, do you think this has a little something to do with uh, some parents uh, in this day and age now getting on board, supporting their kids more than, you know, 30 years ago was, I, I got, I was discouraged by my parents to play pool. P- 
period. I think it's two things, Rob. I think that one thing is, you know, the information age has changed full. And uh, over the last five, 10 years, it's really made the learning curve different. But I also think that, uh, yeah, uh, shout out to Ra Hanna. I mean, the JIC, the Junior International Championships, it's been going on, you know, two, three years now, like with to have a lot of regular tour stops. And these young kids, boys and girls, are getting a lot of opportunities to compete under pressure and compete against the best of their junior players of the country. And it's, I think that there is a difference between the, the, the young girls and the young junior boys, which is when the young junior boys are competing against other junior boys, they're not necessarily playing against the best men players of the country. But in the junior girls division, as it's been proven, these junior girls are playing as good as any of the top U.S. women players almost. And so they're getting there. I think that when you look at like, uh, yeah, the, some of the some of the juniors are doing well. Like you saw Joey Tate almost win against Shane in that set. Uh, you've got the, you know, Sam Henderson was playing very well. I got a chance to kind of look over my shoulder and watch him play. We've got some good junior and we've got the junior Shane Van Boning junior championships happening out there. It was a very good play uh, from the U.S. juniors. But I think in terms of opportunity, I think that the opportunity for a young U.S. boy, if a young U.S. boy wants to, you know, make a name for himself, he has to get through Shane and Chris Melling and, and some Chinese robot, whereas Savannah Easton has to get through Monica Webb and, and uh, you know, Emily Duddy. And so I think there's a little bit more opportunity for in terms of like it's a little I'm not saying it's an easier road, but it's an easier road. And so I think that the young girls are coming along and saying, hey. We can do this, and I think that I think that that's what's going to happen. They're just going to. And when somebody was talking about what does it take for U.S. to compete with Europe, I still maintain it. Just comes back to it takes a few people to say, "Here's what's going to happen." I mean, we can talk culture and size and tournament payouts and all these training centers, but in the end, it takes a couple people to come out and say, "You know what? I'm going to get there," and and that's what these young girls are doing, and they're getting there. Nice. I I think that Savannah Easton might be the next. Um, I can see her being like the next Jeanette Lee, like, and I, and I mean the total package of that, meaning like the ability to branch outside of the industry. She's 12 years old. I mean, we're not trying to put any like undue burden or, pressure well, on her, but, so, really. but yeah. the, I, but the, I, she's so personable. She's, she's so happy. She's, she's, um, her market. I mean, and of course a lot of this is her parents, um, who she has an amazing support cast around her for her parents, her parents, uh, are just absolutely fantastic people. She's got the total package of personality, uh, obviously skills. She's got the uh, she's got the ability to be, you know, in conversation with anybody. She's she's always around. I mean, it just seems like she's going to have everything at her disposal to be the next huge player in the pool world. I, I can yeah. see that very easily. The, the Jeanette Jeanette, Neo, uh, Jeanette Lee analogy is interesting because the thing that it reminds me of the closest thing between her and Jeanette to me is her competitiveness. I mean, Savannah yeah. Easton is as competitive. I mean, you could be playing tiddling weeks with her and she's, she is all in. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's that determination and things like that. Um, and I think, you know, what you said, Demetrius too, is, is right on. It, it's things like JIC. It's, it's all about opportunity. And they're getting these opportunities in very well organized, very structured, very, you know, good environments where now, and then you do get, you know, these young girls go out there and they are coming with their, with their parents and their families. And there's this great support system. And so you've got, because there is this opportunity of great places and great venues to play in and great organizations like the JSC, you know, then, yeah, now you're, now you're, you're making it 
you know, a lot more interesting, a lot better for the kids, a lot more exciting for the kids, a lot more, um, you know, something that the parents can buy into, which is a huge thing. So, yeah, I think that that's all coming into play to make this, you know, as successful as, as it is. It's a good thing for sure. Yeah. I mean, the, the future of U.S. pool seems to be in pretty good hands, um, both with the women and the men. What what I'm happy to see is like Savannah is 12 years old. You can put her out there against any. How old is uh, Hank the Tank, Demetrius? 14. 14. And he plays about 630 Fargo-ish, something like that. You know, it's Maybe it's really better. hard to it's really hard to say. Uh, you know, when it comes to Fargo rate, I know that when I play him nine ball sets, the last nine ball set I played him, it went hill hill, and I had to break it. I broke and ran out. I, I I won seven six. I'll tell you, there's not many players in Minnesota that when I play them races to seven nine ball on a big table. Um, I'm not saying nobody can take a set off me, but it's like there's only a handful of players where I feel threatened where I feel like if I don't play very, very, very well, like I, I just, I don't have to win against Hank. And so I don't know what his Fargo rate is on a bar table right now, but like he's, he's playing some very, very strong pool. That's it. Yeah. I was, and Josh beat me to the punch. Uh, Savannah is a 549 and that's before this week. I mean, you know, you throw that WPBA event in there. She's probably up to like 570, 580. I mean, she's, <laughs> by the time that she's 14, she's going to be playing. She, by the time that, yeah, by the time that she's 16, she'll probably assuming the same track record, she'll be playing close to 700 speed. That puts her with the elite, elite, elite of all of the European Chinese women's on that trajectory. I mean, she's not going to be a really good USA player. She's going to be a really good world pool player. And she's not going to be a really good female player. She's going to be a really good pool player. And that's what I like. And that's I've I've watched her. I've watched her play. I've I've watched like I think I said it on a podcast before. I, I turned on one of her matches. I watched her hit two shots. And if I didn't say this, I, I think I said this to my students because I had something where I was talking to my students. I I watched her hit one shot when I just flipped into a random spot of the match. I watched her hit one shot. And after watching the shot she shot and the way she shot it, I knew that she was going to be the top U.S. woman player within years, you know, just a couple of years. And, uh, and because she's not playing good for a girl, she's not playing good for a kid. She's playing good pool and she's trying to play the best pool she can play. Uh, she's not, she's not setting her sights low. She's not, she's not doing the minimum. She's after, she's going for the gold, man. She's going for the gold. Now, as far as whether or not she'll be 700 by age 14, um, Patrick, send me a message. If you want to, if you want a 24 month sweat bet, send me a message, Uh, but uh, I do do believe in her. I do believe in her. Yeah. It's the thing is, we talk about opportunity. You just want, you just hope these opportunities stay there and these organizations like the JAC and BEF get bigger and get more involvement with the youth because, you know, my biggest worry is always that by the time they're 18, they're into something else. <laughs> so you want to keep the opportunities out there to keep them engaged and to keep them, you know, keep building aspirational levels for them. Uh, and, and, and that'll keep them in the game. And I, I just want to interject, Pat, I actually have made multiple years sweat bets before. It's no hard feelings. If I pay one off, I would love to pay this. Bet off. Like honestly, if Savannah cracks 700 Fargo by 14, I would gladly pay you off. I would be the biggest, that would be the happiest I've ever been. So seriously, yeah. man, I'm, I'm in, I'll make a, I think it would be good for the show. So you yeah. tell me, I'll confirm right here live. We'll yeah. settle up on her 15th birthday. We could check Fargo rate and you just tell me what you want to bet. And I'm, I'll lock it in with you. We can post with a third party, whatever you want to do. I'm not, well, I'm not, this is not, this is not a challenge. This is not an eagle thing. This is just, 
for the show, man. For the show, we'll do it for yeah, the show. For the show, I'll do it. Yeah, uh, we're, all having, this, we're all yeah. having fun with it. Yeah, well, the the true the will true, hold money. The yeah, exactly. The true <laughs> bet, the true bet is whether or not who's gonna who's gonna be first to seven hundred, Savannah or me. That should be the that should be the true bet. I'll have to get with Larry. I'll see if we can uh, we can set something up for that. that so already, six, okay, I'm already sixty four. Give us odds years on left to wait. We, we got to have well, some she, odds. She okay, so Patrick, me, we spot me one hundred and twenty five points. <laughs> All right, do me a favor, Patrick. Uh, I I just can you uh, I just want to make sure you have a contact info. But yeah, we're we're in we're in. We'll uh, you got yourself a hundred dollar sweat bet, and I'm rooting for you to win, and I'm rooting for Savannah here. Uh, Demetrius, just so you know, everybody in the world is rooting against you. Good. Like, I'm we, rooting against me too. We hate you so much now. Yeah. <laughs> I just think that, I, I think that there's, there's the thing is, is that people throw around 700 a lot. Uh, I know that the learning curve of pool has gotten a lot shorter with information and opportunity. Uh, I also understand that, uh, you know, that people have an initial trajectory when they're coming out of the gate. That's very, very fast and strong. Um, I think that people underestimate though, the way that, as that the trajectory is not just straight to the moon, that it gets very, 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 very difficult. And uh, I think that people underestimate exactly. I, I've heard, like I teach students, right? I, I have 40, 40 people a year fly to me and work with me. And, uh, you know, I've talked to a hundred bootcamp students that have come out and trained with me. And, you know, a lot of people throw around, you know, I'd like to get the 700. I'd like to get the 700. And it's just, it, it's shown me that there's in the, in the pool industry, I think there's a just, you know, we get spoiled by watching all the international top elite pros and all these guys that are 800. It seems like you go to the U S open and everybody's 700, 750, 787. It's, it's like, but it, I think that it creates a, it creates a, a misconception of how they, they just, it makes it seem like it's no big thing to do. And it's like, no, it's yeah. most, most people, that, that seriously devote their entire life to pool don't get the 700. And so it's it's not easy to do. That's it. You went on a rant. Can I go on a rant? Yeah, off yeah, go ahead. Josh, off of what just, Josh just said. Um, so I, I hear this, I hear this like, uh, well, they have 2,000 games in the system or they have 5,000 games in the system or they have even 1,000 games in the system. Your Fargo's not going to move once you get to 2,000. That is like the biggest misconception about Fargo rate is that if you have a lot of games in the system that like, you're just not going to move. Uh, no, you're not going to move if you don't get better or worse at pool. Right. So all these players come to me and they'll be like, well, you know, I won this tournament last weekend and my Fargo only went up a half a point or a point. And like, it's, it's cause I have 3000 games in the system. No, uh, you aren't going up because you haven't gotten better at this game in 20 years. I, uh, just using, well, let's, let's use Sam Henderson, for example, uh, six months ago, Sam has, Sam and I, I think both have like 4,000 games in the system or something like that. I have, let's see here. I have 4,426 games in the system. Sam Henderson has, uh, okay. So he has 1400. Well, we, we won't use him. We'll use, uh, myself and Savannah, right? So Savannah was under a 500 four months ago and she has 2000 games in the system. She's gone up 50 points. The point is, is like, if you're getting better you're going to move up. If you're the same level that you've always been and you know that, you know, the same people that complain about my number never goes up. Well, you ask them, do you think that you've gotten better in the last year? Well, no, not really. Well, then you're not going to go up. Like I, I was practicing a ton because my wife was playing. I got 4,400 games in the system. And when I was at 4,300, I was at like a 663. So in the last hundred games, I've gone up like 13 points because I've actually been practicing and playing a bunch. Like the, it doesn't matter how many games in the system you have. It matters how whether or not you're improving or not. And 
most players aren't improving at any given stage of their career. That's that's my rant. Okay, I'm done. Anyone? I'd like to give a little shout out to uh, one of my favorite players, uh, the Lion from Canada, uh, for his showing in the, in the one pocket uh, that he played against Tony. I mean, I watched, I didn't watch much of it. I did watch the last rack where he ran eight, and it was impressive for sure. And he used all of his body on numerous shots on that rack. Where, where he ran out from the break, he ran eight, and uh, and they're letting you get on top of the table now, which is only a Buffalo's. And I was going to say, I'll tell you, Rob, if you want to talk about the most impressive thing in that matchup was when Tony jo when there was that picture of Tony Johan climbing on that table. Yeah. The fact that that thing stood up, it just yeah. shows the quality of the workmanship in these fine diamond tables. <laughs> Sheesh, I was, a yeah. That was something to see that bear of a human being get on, get on top of the table. <laughs> where 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 uh, uh, Alice can just pop right up there and <laughs> spread out over the table. And that cut on that one ball in the, in the corner down the, the, the short rail was just. What, what if what if Tony what if Tony climbed up on his side of the table and all the balls rolled over in front of his? <laughs> <laughs> But anyhow, he just, <laughs> he just showed why he's one of the best uh, in that uh, against Tony. I just love the guy. Yeah, well, let, let's talk about this briefly. Um, Alex Pagulayan wins over Tony Choen, uh, 36-29. Um, I know that this is kind of like the third time they've played uh, a big – well, this third time in the last year or two um, that they've played. I, I mean, I don't know how many times we need to, to, to necessarily see this matchup. I, I I mean I love Tony Tony Choen might not be the best one pocket player in the world, but I is there anybody you'd rather watch play one pocket? No, that's that that's Mike, that's gotta be the best. Yeah. You know, be. Mike, you don't really like one pocket, and I'm not the biggest fan of it. I, I mean I like watching, I just like pool in general. But, yeah. I love playing it. I don't like watching it as much as playing it, that's for sure. Is there anybody that you'd rather watch play one pocket more than Tony? He's easily the most entertainable. For my money, the most entertaining player out there. I mean, yeah, Efren. <laughs> there you go. But if you got if you got to go to Efren, then you know that that's a heck of a player. <laughs> that's kind of like bringing up. That's kind of like uh, when somebody talks about Hitler in an argument. You know that you kind of won. Like if you have to go to Efren, then you know that you got there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a good fallback guy. Alex is pretty sure. entertaining. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, Alex is obviously entertaining too. But I, I'm Alex, talking about like Alex uh, is entertaining. The quality, uh, the the type of games that you end up seeing with Tony. I mean, the he's shots that he takes that on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he 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 plays fast. He plays entertaining. Uh, you know, he's he's yeah. theatrical to a point. I mean, he, everything about his game is just it's fantastic to watch. But it's 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 Alex, right? I mean, the only player in the world I think that, for, I mean, for a while now that had an argument was Dennis, and we haven't seen Dennis, and maybe we won't see Dennis for a couple of years. Um, but I mean. It's like Thanks Alex just Alex just sits in the background, and I, the way I look at this is like Alex just sits in the background, and all of these like U.S. players or even you know just one pocket players in general all kind of punch each other in the face over and over and over again, and then one player kind of gets to the cream of the crop of everyone that's around him, and they're like, "All right, yeah, here we go. I'm ready for Alex. Let's go." And Alex is like, "Okay, let's play," and then back to the you know back to the pile of players. Uh, 
where they scruff it out for about another six or seven months. And then one person rises to the top and Alex beats them back down to the middle. Like that's, <laughs> kind of, that's, that's kind of what Alex has been doing for like the last six or seven years. It, you, oh you play God, for eight, yes. eight months of one pocket where one person gets enough confidence that thinks that they can challenge. And then it's just like, no, which fine. which makes you wonder how good actually Alex can play because oh. it's like nobody's ever pushed him to where he breaks. You know, Tony, I'll tell you, and he was given Tony nine eight. You know, and it's like that's that's pretty tough. And the one thing I'll say is, you know, Tony did make a bit of a rally. He was way yeah. down on the score. On yeah. I, I don't remember the exact scores, but I want to say in a race to thirty six, he might have been down something like you know twenty two to fifteen, oh, yeah. or he might have. I mean, he was pretty down. And that. then he rallied, and he won like six yeah. out of seven, seven out of eight. He put Alex where Alex was struggling. He came back all the way, tied it back up after Alex worked for one three days to get a lead. Him. And then Alex just regrouped and just put him away. And it's like so. Anyway, it wasn't. It was a dramatic match. There was great play on both sides, yeah. but uh, it just goes to show that Alex just he is. You know he, he he is. I you don't ever say he's the best, but like as far as uh, I, nobody could be the best in this. But he is one of the most fierce money players of all time. And so yeah, there's been times when if he plays nine ball against Fedor right now or ten ball against Shane, like there's going to be games where he's just outgunned in that game. But in one pocket where you take away the break and you take away the high gear and you just make it about you know just pool skills. Gosh, man, the guy has got the heart. Of a lion, I guess maybe yeah, it's almost like we should give him a nickname. He is impressive. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and he I mean, has fun. You'd, you'd love you know, to have seen see him it. against He's having fun doing it. You'd love to have seen him against Efren in, in his heyday. You yeah, know, had both of them at their peaks playing each other would have been, you know, there too. Yeah, I still think Alex and Efren are are the two best. I don't think we ever saw Dennis. Dennis is, I mean, kind of to what right. Demetrius said. So, though, I don't so think I'm, we ever saw Dennis's best game. Say. Yeah, yeah. I'm just going on what we've seen, but um, yeah, would have been would have been fun. I think that I'd give Alex the edge over Dennis just based on the number of money matches. You know, there is a shorter learning curve these days with one pocket, and there is something to be said about the person who's striking the best, which obviously Dennis is striking the balls as well as anybody. But the striking gap is, you know, and and. I just think Alex has played, I would guess that Alex has played five to 10 times more money matches than in one pocket than Dennis has. And I'm not diminishing what Dennis has done. I'm just saying Alex has played so much that I just feel that it gives him a, a big, a big edge. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, Alex probably just beat somebody back down to the middle, kind of the scrum. I'm sure they'll, like I said, they'll fight it out for the next six, seven months, chip, Tony, you know, maybe uh, Josh, if he ever gets back to playing regularly, Roberto, Roberto uh, you know, if you throw uh, maybe even like a Scott Frost, he wants to get back into it. He kind of went through a little phase where he might have. Um, and then he could throw in some European players like Fedor, that's what I want to see. Josh. I want to see that because because here's the thing is that with Alex versus Tony, Tony doesn't have a striking edge. Josh Roberts doesn't have a striking edge. I want to see Alex. I think that the only thing that would be interesting at this point would be to see him play filler, him play Fedor, him play guys that are that are on top of their form to the point where they actually have some type of maybe strike, if it's possible to have a striking edge against Alex. Like, I just don't see to, – to come at Alex with some guy who doesn't shoot as straight as Alex and is just going to try to outplay him in one pocket, that to me just doesn't seem like – like if I had to pick a horse, like I just – I wouldn't pick – I wouldn't pick Evan Lunda and be like, all right, we're going to outmove Alex. Like, man, that seems like a hard road, you know, but if you wanted to put filler in there and say, Hey, filler is just going to run eight and out all day from everywhere. And 
he's just going to outshoot Alex. At least you got a game plan, you know? Yeah. I like that starting shot. Patrick Neal says, yeah, bank Karam uh, with safety and shape for that. <laughs> his last rack that Alex shot was, I'm looking at that rack. I don't have a clue what he's doing, <laughs> what he's going to do when he shoots that bank Karam. Wow. That was impressive for the first yeah. ball of the eight ball run. Yeah, so um, I guess that's that's pretty much all I wanted to discuss. Anybody else have anything uh, they want to discuss? I mean, Jason Shaw's not here anymore, so we don't have to talk about his beatdown. We're yeah. not obligated <laughs> to talk about that. Yeah. Well, good show. Yeah. All right, there's there's a comment about putting filler, having Efren coach filler against Alex. The thing is, I could just see how this would go is Efren would need a translator to tell filler not to shoot a shot. And then, you know, he'd say, no, this is no good to shot. And then filler would shoot it and split the <laughs> wicket and run eight. And then they'd get into a fight. And anyway, <laughs> I'm good guys. I'm ready to go. That's yeah. good. Yeah, I am as well. So uh, thanks everybody for tuning in. Uh, see I am on my way to the international open tonight. So I am after pool league tonight at about 9 PM. I'm going to jump in my car and start braving the 15 hour car ride. So that's going to be awesome. Um, anybody along the, well, I guess anybody that's going to be at the international open, I'm going to set up like a little booth. Uh, we're going to do some interviews with the players out of it. Uh, maybe sell a little bit of merch. We'll see. Um, but make sure to swing by at the international open. If you're around, bring beer. I love beer. Uh, <laughs> you don't even have to like, you just bring by and just set it on my stand and leave. If you want, um, you can stay and hang out and talk and whatever. You know, that'd be fun. But, uh, just, yeah, just beer. It's good. Um, that's really all I got. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. It was fun. Yeah, thanks it was a lot. All right. Yep. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks for participating in see the chat, time. and we'll see you next see week. You, Mike. See you, Dan. All right. Thanks. See you, guys. See you, Nate.